Hi everyone, it's David. And before we get into the episode, I just wanted to say thank you for listening to What About Life from Indian Health Council. And I want to remind you that you can subscribe to this show via your podcast player. If you're on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify, really any of the podcast players that are out there, they have a mechanism for you to subscribe to a show. Just hit the plus button or the follow button or whatever subscribe button is available within your podcast player. And your podcast player will automatically let you know whenever we drop a new episode, which is usually Tuesday of every week of every month. Oh, and please leave us a review on your podcast player. Whether that's Apple or Google or Spotify, click a thumbs up or give us a five-star rating or whatever it is your particular podcast player does to show positivity. If you could show some positivity towards us, that'd be great. It helps in the algorithms and makes our show more available to more people. So you can help us with that. All right, let's get on with the episode. Thanks again. Hello, this is Dan Kalak, member of the Palma Band of Lusanyu Indians and the Chief Medical Officer for Indian Health Council over the past 19 years. Miyum. May we all wonder and be blessed by the energy created by the life around us, perpetuated and created from our ancestors and their ancestors for time immemorial. We recognize the Creator's hand is all that we see, feel, think, and do here on earth and in our short existence. We treasure our time together and we wish each other peace, happiness, and long life. For love, health, time is all we have here on earth. We relish our bodies, minds, spiritual being, and our consciousness, drinking in our reality with the ones we love and making a good place for our people is paramount. For our earth, our animal brothers and sisters on earth, the ocean, the sea, and the unseen that share our space, we treasure your existence. For our children we love, live, and last one more day, if not for ourselves, but for our generations to come forever now on earth and to the universe end. Nishon Lovik. Welcome to What About Life. I'm your host, David Dawson, sitting with the PEI team here at Indian Health Council. To my left, not that you can see because this is a podcast and it's audio only, but it's Mr. Jason Levine. Good morning and welcome back, guys. And to his left. Hello, hello. This is Art. Welcome. And across the table. It's always to the left. Mr. George Bohas. You're to my right. Marissa, how are you guys doing today? Welcome back. Hi, Marissa. Welcome back to you. Uh, we missed you in a few episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys for covering. I kind of lost my voice there, but I'm back in action. Ready to talk about some good stuff today. Woohoo. Yeah, we waited patiently for Thank you. you Thank you. Thank you for You are part of yeah, our team. We did. The, 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 it wasn't the same. The atmosphere, the vibe here wasn't the same. We needed that. Awesome. But we still gave you a shout out. Oh, cool. Yeah, we knew yeah. that. We I knew believe that. Beth, our boss, uh, referenced it as there's a lot of testosterone in, in the episodes <laughs> right now. Hey, we you tried, guys need Marissa back. We try to call you, teams you, but. I heard you, you guys happened? went to Star Wars and back. Yeah. Talk oh, about yeah. testosterone. Yeah, about, you know, uh, fatherhood. 
Oh wow, nice! I thought it was awesome. I don't know what Beth was talking about, but I thought it, <laughs> I thought that episode yeah. was awesome. And Tina did an awesome job, I hear. With Tina Tina was great. Tina was, Tina was outstanding. Was and she was awesome. on the table talk as well, right? So, yeah. Table talk. Yes, it was. Yeah, we had a great time. So it's still Mental Health Awareness Month. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue on with the, the topic. I mean, obviously we're a mental health, uh, podcast, so it makes sense that during mental health awareness month, we're going to talk mental health awareness, mental health awareness. So I, you know, we have the group here and, and we're talking about mental health. You know, I wanted to do a little story and maybe pick the brains. We could analyze it, have everybody's input, you know, what do you guys think? We Absolutely, good? yeah. Let's do it. So, I'm going to tell you a story. Story time with art. Story time <laughs> with art, right? I we like have that. art healing and we have so, art stories. I'm going to tell you a story about a buddy of mine named Phil. So, before we start, I've gotten his permission. I, I've worked with Phil for many years. Um, he's a coach with me, right? So, I have a lot of experience. We've had ups and downs coaching, right? Any of you guys coach out there is tough. Mr. W. I used, I used to coach. Yes. Right. I, st I stopped coaching, not because right. I dislike kids, but because I <laughs> but, really but, dislike but, dealing but with sometimes parents. Sometimes <laughs> the, the competitiveness, the atmosphere between two coaches. Co coaches can get really catty. Right? Well, yeah, that's why you have true. the soccer mom between it, right? That's what I. That's what they're I designed for. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't deal. All I deal with the kids when it's my time, the kids, right? And the kids and the coaches. But... My, my boy, Phil, you know, um, when I'm coaching, when I'm there at the games, I don't deal with the parents. I don't deal with the spectators. I mean, I will if they get involved, right? But here's my boy, Phil, who's always been, was always happy, motivated, motivated my kids, right? F to go away from art, I need you to cover my practice, which his pride and joy were the kids. Art, I need you to cover a game. Okay, one time, yes. Art, I can't make practice. I need you to take this team. You know, when, when, when I'm committed, when I take a team, I'm there. I'm there. You know, sometimes we put our priorities to a side, but I'm there. Regardless where I feel it or not, if I took that commitment, it's, it's, it's a big commitment. But I started noticing that he was missing games, missing practices, sometimes not even showing up. And I got to the point where his practice were almost back to mine, where I would stay because I would see his kids there, but he wasn't there. Right? Um, when I would call him because he lived, he lived close by me, all his voicemails would go, all the calls would go to voicemail. Mm. Right? Um, I started noticing little, I don't know, little things like, is he in trouble? Is he overwhelmed? He only had, I took one of his teams to, to take the pressure off him, but I don't know. What do you guys feel? I'm sensing loss of interest, uh -huh. distancing. Uh, -huh. uh, what else? What else do you guys see in that story? Well, he could, he might, he, he could have been having a breakdown. I mean, I don't know what his age is or anything like that, but he could be so overwhelmed uh -huh. with his own life. Um, job could be a loss of job or just just no motivation no motivation so let, let a little bit well, of oh let me before we move on uh -huh. so you're talking about what's wrong with him mm -hmm. and i'm looking at this story what's, of what's like happening? what are the signs that yeah. i should be looking out for right right 
So as a third party paying attention to this and listening to Art's view of what was going on, I'm seeing that loss of interest, distancing. Towards the game. These are the, yeah. these are the warning signs, right? Uh, George, you've got a bunch of videos that we just put out on social media. This is one of the things you talked about. What are the warning signs of right. mental illness or mental health issues, right? Like yep. those are a couple of big ones that I see right away just right. in this discussion. So a little bit more background on him because... Those of us that coach, we don't do it because we get paid a million dollars to coach. Right? <laughs> you do a it because you love the game, you love a, the kids. A lot yeah. of us do it because we love the game. A lot of us do it when we have no kids that are playing. Mm -hmm. So my buddy is, is an independent contractor, works for the county. So his schedule is pretty flexible, right? He has no kids in the house. It's just him and his wife and his, his two or three loved ones, which are his puppers <laughs> right um i've known him for a lot of, a long time a long time you know um a lot of you guys know if you guys want to talk sports and the love of the game we could talk soccer all day <laughs> right mm -hmm. so i know he was he was one of my inspirational coaches or mentors where i learned the most of coaching from if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So his knowledge of the game, his love for the game, his his ability, you know, it's just like any sports, his ability to set up a chess game on soccer. If that makes sense. you A lot of you guys know that coach, that is possible, right? Well, soccer's very much about strategy. Yes, it is about strategy. For his knowledge from him, I learned how to look at an opposing team and how to break it down. Right. Um, I, I don't agree with his style because I think all of us as grown up, not only in coaching, but in life, we take different styles of, of people that we like. Right. Right. So a little bit of background for them. That's where he is. His love for soccer is, I think, number one over even his his work. You and know? yet he was not showing up anymore. Not showing up wasn't answering calls was it, you know for him not to show up especially to maybe a practice you miss but a game you know a game is really important a big you know the letdown to the kids where you know um i stepped in and i said hey you know i got you I, i'm here for you you know a lot of the times we don't want to let the kids or the youngsters because it's all about the youngsters know what's happening Right. Oh, Phil's okay. He's just not here. Um, he'll be here. Right. But I, I stepped in to help help with that with that team. Right. Because we it's all about the kids. But I'm worried about about my buddy Phil. And I'm sure you could feel it being so long friends with him. Yeah. The demeanor he was portraying, or kind of maybe avoiding you, or your calls, kind of distancing even more with relationships. Yeah, there, there's a lot to the story that I, I'm trying to listen uh -huh. and, and hear hear your story. Because it sounds like, sorry if I'm shallow, but it just sounds like to me like he, he maybe has a project. Did he miss multiple mm -hmm. games? He missed multiple games. I, so I he's that. missed more than one game? Yes. Has he missed more than two games? Yes. I literally ended up taking the team 
to take the pressure because I thought it was pressure. I took I took that team from him. And and did he share with you that hey I gotta promote or something going on at work? You know, some of the stuff that I started to notice, you know, um, and I keep going to this because I mean I, I love I love coaching I love soccer. I take a lot of pride in my equipment and, and my uh, arsenal uh, of tools, if that makes sense, right? Um, my soccer fans or soccer coaches out there, um, knowing the difference between match balls and regular soccer balls, you know, it, they're big difference, mm -hmm. right? We're talking about $5 soccer ball to 40 to $50 soccer balls, you know, um, and match balls are game balls that you I only use for games. That makes sense. We have to provide three balls at a game. I invested in my own match balls. They were 30 bucks a ball. So right there in those three balls, $90 for the balls, right? He gave me five of his match balls, mm. right? Which I was like, whoa, those are, those are cool. They're, they're expensive balls, but he, he gave them to me. Right. Um, another thing that I noticed he was giving away were his his flags, his training flags, which which are expensive. You have good ones that pivot at the bottom with the springs. They're expensive. They're hard to come by. So little things that I started noticing, you know, maybe, like, he was, maybe, like he was unloading. Yes. Like yeah. he was unloading. So what I'm hearing you say is he was giving his most prized possessions away mm -hmm. <clears throat> in the midst of whatever he was going through mm -hmm. and as a friend how did you approach that so so some of the things you know at first i i had to check myself okay i'm grateful to get these tools because i've also given stuff away you know to other coaches that i need yeah i'll share with them so i had i had to check and say what's going on you all right everything good all right i asked them um assessing the situation assessing the situation um it, it was tough. It was tough because I got to the point where I had to pull them aside. And, and, and Marissa, Jason, and George, David, how do I ask that question? Direct. 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 Straight out. Non-judgmentally. Direct. And, and, and my, my crew here, uh, we always talk about asking that question to a loved one. Mm -hmm. Friend, family, it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard. You know, um, I did. I asked that question. I pulled him aside. At, at, um, he showed up to one of the games. Um, I asked that question. Was he evasive? He was. Because that's what I encounter a lot of times is when I first ask the question yeah. is a person will become obviously evasive to the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was like, nah, nah, what do you want uh, but I go, I, I pulled him, I go, come on, let's walk. I go, no, you, you need to tell me, you know. And he got to the point where he almost started breaking down. You know, he started breaking down. And then we always talk about, you know, when you ask that question, they literally release and say, you know, hey. So he started breaking down going over all this stuff with me, you know, that his, his uncle was, was that, that was close to him was like a father figure was in the process of dying or, or close to dying, which had affected him 
you know, which he didn't think it would have, but it did. It affected him right. traumatically, you know. And um, all this stuff that started going, um, just stuff that piled up on him, you know, where he gave up his priorities, which were to him coaching. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, we spent a lot of time talking, a lot of time talking. You created that safe space for him to release space. and be comfortable enough to disclose what was going on. Yeah. And that's pretty important to do when you're talking with someone or asking the question like that. It's not easy, definitely. So was he uh, was he able to <clears throat> see where you were coming from and, and did he ask for help? He never asked for help. That was the thing. He never, <clears throat> he never asked for help, right? Well, you said he asked you to cover games. Well, yes, yes. Okay. On that aspect, yes. But like, looking back, yeah, you're right. Yes. We got a, a, a lot of us don't know how to ask for help, especially saying help. That's like the yeah. last, especially a man. Especially with all due man. respect, a man will is the last thing you ever want to do is say, "Help me." Yeah. Well, I think it's twofold. I think you've got that that masculinity issue, but also you've got the death and grief issue, which mm-hmm. is also I I personally think, and I've said this on many podcasts I've been on, not just this one. I think as a society, we've got an aversion to talking about death and recognizing that death is a part of life that we all have to deal with. And it's not easy. It's just kind of like nobody wants to admit their mortality. So parents don't want to talk about it with their children, you know, (laughs) like, and then when it hits somebody, they're unprepared for it because we just, as a society kind of brush it under the rug. It's something we all deal with, but nobody wants to talk to and then you're kind of left on your own to cope with it because your friends might not know how to talk to you about it because they've not been through it themselves yet so you've crossed a threshold that they don't understand or you yourself don't know how to reach out to other people because you feel uncomfortable by the whole situation because you didn't expect to feel as much grief and as heavily impacted as you do because nobody prepared you for that eventuality that it's going to hurt as bad as it does and i think that combination of the masculinity i can't reach out for help and oh my goodness i'm hurting more than i ever anticipated i possibly could from this event (laughs) is like a one-two punch that's hard to hard to cope with Indian Health Council has been empowering Native wellness for over 50 years. We continue to do so with services like our mobile pantry, where you can receive free and nutritious food for you and your family. Join us at our Rincon facility on the second Tuesday of every month or on the fourth Tuesday of every month at our Santa Isabel location between 10 and 11 a.m. Upon arriving, you'll receive a variety of prepackaged dry goods and bulk produce. The mobile pantry is open to all families and community members. Both of our sites are following all COVID-19 health and safety guidelines as recommended by the CDC at this time. Upon arriving, please stay in your vehicle and wear a mask when coming to receive your food and practice safe social distancing.
We look forward to seeing you at our mobile pantry. And we thank you for listening to this podcast, Indian Health Council, empowering Native wellness since 1970. Me, you. Hi, I am Dr. Dan Kalak, Chief Medical Officer at Indian Health Council and a member of the Association of American Indian Physicians and the Palma Band of Lusanyu Indians. In 1971, American Indian and Alaska Native Physicians launched AEIP to improve and protect the health of indigenous cultures. AEIP encourages all American Indians and Alaska Natives eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine to get vaccinated to preserve our tribal cultures for future generations. Being Mental Health Month, it's not a normal conversation that individuals have, mm-hmm. you know, so when it comes, they don't know what to expect. Yeah. So they'll either go straight to the right or straight to the left and get the help that they need. But most likely individuals don't know what to expect, yeah. you know, especially when having a conversation about suicide or having a conversation about depression or anxiety you know, a lot of us, I mean, even myself, I didn't, I didn't, I was not educated on, on, on a lot of this stuff. But once I started educating myself, then I started understanding why I was feeling those ways. And I had, I had different avenues to go on a positive note, but it was always a negative note because that's the way you were trained mm-hmm. basically. It's interesting when my dad died and we were having a viewing um, one of my dad's friends who lost his wife to cancer just a couple of years before pulled me aside before everybody showed up for this viewing. And he says, I know you're hurting right now. I know you're going through a lot. I'm going to give you one little piece of advice that I wish somebody had given me. And I was like, okay, you know, what is it? He says, at some point, it may be today. It may be a week from now, maybe three weeks from now, maybe a month from now, somebody is going to come up because you're crying or because you're hurting and they're going to say something to you along the lines of, I'm so sorry. I totally understand what you're going through. I lost my cat last week (laughs) and you're going to want to punch them because they've just compared losing their pet to you losing your father, who for me was my best friend, my business partner, you know, like my dad and I were super close. And I kind of laughed and shrugged it off. I was like, yeah, okay. You know, he's like, no, seriously, just smile at them and say, thank you. Because they're coming from a a kind place, but they don't understand how to talk to you because nobody's really prepared them for how they're going to feel watching you grieve. And I was like, okay, whatever. Nobody said it at the viewing. Nobody said it at the funeral. But two months later, we were shooting the first short film that I'd made since my dad died. And at the end of it, I broke down and cried because we made a whole movie that was kind of dedicated to my dad. And one of the girls on the crew came up to me in full on alligator tears of her own and literally said, I know exactly what you're going through. My cat died two weeks ago and I'm so heartbroken. And my tears ended abruptly and I looked at her and sure enough, I just wanted to push her out of the room. Like, how dare you, (laughs) you know? And then the words of my friend echoed in my head, my dad's friend echoed in my head. And I was like, thank you. I appreciate you, you know, trying to connect with me. Yeah. Because she, she was coming from uh, a place where it's loss. And that was, that was uh, basically the narrow mind of, 
losing something, whether it be a human being. It's the only thing she could connect to to what I was going through. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It was just lost. It comes from a good place, Mm -hmm. but like once you've lost a parent or lost a spouse or something, you understand how kind of callous that comment sounds because it's the grief comparability is not exactly the same. Right. (laughs) You know, it is grief on both ends and that's what she was trying to connect with. But yeah, it was really interesting. But that's, that's a conversation somebody had with me that prepared me for that moment. And I was able to accept what she was giving me graciously. If I had not gotten that conversation, I would not have handled that situation as well as I did. And in fact, 10 minutes later, that same girl came up to me again in alligator tears going, I need to apologize. I can't believe I compared my cat to your dad. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, it's totally fine. I get what you were trying to do and I know where you were coming from and I so appreciate it, you know, but it was like, even then she was mortified when she realized kind of what she had done, maybe didn't come across the way she intended, you know, um, she was just in pain. But thank goodness. Somebody <laughs> talked to me about it you know, on their own and prepared me for that. And that's a small little thing, but like it goes to the larger scope of things. If nobody prepares you for these major life events and things that will happen, will happen to you. People who are close to you will die. That's a given. It's going to happen. Every one of us will eventually cross that threshold. But if nobody's willing to have that conversation and talk about it ahead of it happening to you, you're just kind of lost in the weeds when it does. And then how, how do you cope with it? You know, if you were unprepared for how you're feeling, how easy is it then to ask for help or recognize that you need to ask for help? Because, you know, nobody talks about this. So this just must be how it is. And I just have to, you know, grit my teeth and deal with it, you know? Yeah. I know going back to what George said, uh, as being a, being a man for many, many years, I was a individual that would never, and this was before phones. You'd have to have that, that map, you know, that Atlas map or whatever. The Thomas guide. Thomas the Thomas guide. guide. Yeah. The Thomas guide. What and is we, that? We, we, yeah. <laughs> we would travel. Out of my truck. <laughs> uh, I'll take it too. <laughs> and we would travel somewhere and then we'd ended up stopping for gas. And then my wife or, or my kids would just say, dad, just ask for help. But I wouldn't do it because I was so determined within myself and basically had too much pride to go bow down and basically say, hey, I need I need some help. That so, classic thing of real men don't ask for yeah, directions. Yeah, yeah. And today I'll go right into the store and say, hey, I need some help. And that's Tell just me. something simple as directions. Yeah. Like maybe even instructions to put together a table. You know, they're like, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. I could do it. Yeah. I still, I'm, I still, I'm still, still the same with the, with the table. Right? <laughs> I'll, look, I'll look at the picture and won't do the directions <laughs> and think I know, think I know how to do it. I think a lot, done. Of, a lot of it goes to that old school, old school, there you go. how, you know, the machismo, right. Um, and, and that's what we're doing. We're trying to break that stigma, yeah. right? Break it. Yeah. You know? Which I would say, just judging from, you know, the millennials to the new generation right now, I feel like we've come a long way in getting it out there, getting the word out there, kind of hearing how, you know, people are dealing with, you know, certain things such as maybe loss or mental health. I feel like the awareness is there and it's it's getting better. You know, we mm-hmm. have people coming out more wanting help and just seeking resources on their own without, you know, 
Well, and I think support. I think COVID has helped a lot yeah. too because people have recognized and that conversation about mental health became huge, really huge for mm-hmm. the last couple of years. And so I'm hoping that the momentum on that maintains as COVID kind of right. moves into the kind of background. Hopefully the lessons we learned that people's mental health is important mm-hmm. and should be talked about and discussed and, and be an open thing that we don't hide away. We, we, we continue to can stand up and say, Hey, I'm hurting, mm-hmm. you know, and it's okay that I'm hurting and I need somebody to acknowledge that I'm hurting so that I can, you know, get what I need to move past it. You know, going back to what you said, Dave, I've, I've been thinking, or I've, or I've been reflecting back, you know, because a lot of, I think our elders or a lot of our senior population, they might feel funky, right? Or, or, or depressed and not know what they're feeling is, is depression, is sadness, mm-hmm. right? When we go to, to a medical provider, we tell them our physical hurts, not our behavioral. Hopefully we tell them our physical hurts. Well, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> I know plenty of people who put on the brave face for all of it when they come to the medical. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like if I don't tell them or if I don't share it, they, they, it, won't, it won't happen, right? But, but what I'm trying to say is, a lot of them are sad or depressed, mm-hmm. but they've never been taught that it's okay or, or what it feels like or, or what is it, right? Because it's that show of weakness, that show of, uh, yeah. of it doesn't happen, it shouldn't happen. Yeah. Well, that's what's right. That's what uh, parents are teaching their kids today is <clears throat> don't talk about what happens in, in our home. Yeah. Right? So when that, arises in the in the individual or the kid who's feeling depressed who's having anxiety who doesn't know they don't know where to go to because their whole life they have been told don't talk about anything outside of this house Mm -hmm. so they've been taught that but now like you mentioned through covid and all these all these other avenues i hope that that fire keeps going yeah flame just keeps burning because more people know need to know about mental health Warning yeah. signs. I mean, everybody in this whole world needs to know about it. Yeah. Everybody. And not everybody even 10 to 15% doesn't know, yep. doesn't know about mental health. Funding so, and everything. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's a very important. It yeah. needs to be in all the schools. It needs to be in you know, all the facilities. That's why I think it's important when you go see your, your physician nowadays, they ask those questions. Ask those but again, individuals don't so, want to say anything. So, so going back and, and, um, Think, thinking about it, you know, um, breaking that stigma. We talk about stigma, right? Um, I don't know how I'm going to go back a little bit, right? When, when cancer was hitting big in the, in that eighties and nineties. And I only bring up cancer cause I remember my mom dealing with it. And, um, the biggest fear was the unknown. You don't talk about it. The big C, mm-hmm. right? And I remember back in the day, my, my mom, when she would go to a services of somebody that had cancer, she would come home and literally do a whole cleanse. Oh, she would say, don't get around me. Like, what, it's going to rub off, right? Don't get around me. I need to do my cleansing, go shower, wash my clothes, burn my clothes or whatever, you know, right? Because the stigma associated or the unknown was cancer back then. So same thing with behavioral health, right? We're, we're barely starting to knock down that stigma. It's okay. It's okay to come in and talk. It's okay to call Jason, to call Marissa or George, or Google. Or Google. Or <laughs> 211. It's all right. I need help. 
right? Yeah. To that extent, um, what are the resources that people can reach out to if they, if they are in a position where they want to reach out and, and get some help for themselves? Uh, we, who can they call? Are we wrapping it up? Yes, we are. Before, or, can we have, just have some closure on Phil? Yes, yes. I would love Is to get okay? some closure. Oh, yeah, on the story. Yes. On Phil, on Is he story. Okay? how's he doing? So He's, before... Before we wrap up, uh, it, it was a struggle. Um, my buddy Phil is an old timer, traditional macho uh, guy who 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 really took a while to convince to to get that help and that support. Um, something that I ended up doing is is I created a, a support system around him of, of coaches, team members, board members, team moms, which were. Nothing against my team moms, but team moms were vital in his help. Mm-hmm. Because I found out even though he was a guy, having that woman's intuition and support actually helped him push him in, in the right direction. He was able to get help. Now he's still coaching and not no longer with us, but he's he's still coaching. He's he's better. He's, he's a lot better. Um, we still touch base, FaceTime talk i teach classes with them so yeah he's he's doing good he's doing good we were able to get him the help he needed awesome. just cool. real quick the the soccer moms being kind of key to that the, yes. the, the feminine influence Having on that, that feminine makes yes. sense just from the simple fact that in so many homes and it's not 100 percent true but in so many homes the male is the male he doesn't talk about feelings he keeps it all inside it's all about results and productivity and you know working in the garage and getting your hands dirty and it's our mothers generally speaking who nurture and ask how we're doing how are we feeling so even as an adult i think it's often going to be true that that feminine influence is going to help kind of break down the barriers a bit yes so um, I have nothing but respect for the feminine, because <laughs> yes. um, it's so important in, in all of us uh, being mm-hmm. healthy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, resources, <clears throat> Marissa, you got resources for us? Yes, we have, of course, IHC. Call us; we can schedule you in seven six zero seven four nine one four one zero. I believe it's option four for behavioral health department. We have our two one one. You can call for resources. They seem to have pretty much anything you want to research or get in contact and with. Two one one. That's like nine one one, but with with the two. Right. And it's it's essentially your emergency phone call line countywide, right? Yep, countywide. You can also. Um, Go on the internet and do 211.org. They also have a bunch of resources, websites, eligibility requirements, pretty much everything you would want to know about our program. All program, all the information is on there. So definitely look that up. You can call any one of us from PEI team. We have, you know, a couple of organizations, NAMI, which is National Alliance on Mental Health. You can Google them on NAMI.org. Um, National Institute of Mental Health. They also have a bunch of awesome resources that are in the county as well as um, nationally. So if ever in need, definitely give out or reach out and give us a call. All right. Well, until next time, guys, thank you for this awesome discussion. 
Art, thank you for sharing thank the you. story. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And awesome. uh, we'll see you all on the next episode of What About Life? Indian Health Council's What About Life podcast is made possible by the Prevention and Early Intervention Program funded by the County of San Diego Mental Health Services Act. Indian Health Council's Behavioral Health Hotline can be reached Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. by calling 760-751-6004. That's 760-751-6004. If you're outside of Indian Health Council service area and are experiencing a mental health emergency in San Diego, call the San Diego Access and Crisis Line at 1-888-724-7240. That's the San Diego Access and Crisis Line at 1-888-724-7240. Or call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255 for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Help is available. All you have to do is reach out for it. Indian Health Council, empowering Native wellness since 1970.